This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome i tell you i hope you guys had a great weekend coming up on today's show we got a new name at 155 pounds Yuri Prohaska has made some comments and Israel Adesanya has defended his honor. But before we get to all that, Nate Diaz has finally broken his silence and Uncle Chael is here to tell you all about it. And after that, I'm going to weigh in on Jake Paul and Conor McGregor too. All right, guys, my head's spinning a little bit here. So Nate Diaz, I brought you guys what I believed was inside scoop that he's back in training camp. Told you that about a week ago. Nate came out, posted a picture on social media of him yesterday in the ring sparring, right? Actual sparring gear that he's sparring. He's giving us a message that he's getting ready for something. Okay, Nate is talking to Errol Hawani right now. I'm getting notes of what this interview is about. And Nate is saying a lot of stuff that we already know. He's saying, I'm asking for a fight. I've never asked for more fights in my life. He then threw some names out that he asked for. Luke was one of them. Tony Ferguson was what, and I like that. By the way, Nate versus Ferguson, that's special. I mean, there is something on that for me, but you want to know one of the names that, that wasn't thrown out was Kevin Holland, and that surprised me. When when Nate was off doing the sparring and doing the training camp that we heard about, I really thought it might involve Holland. And I also know this rumor of this Chemayev business wouldn't go away. Now, Nate talked about Chemayev. I just am not satisfied that I, that I understood what he was saying well enough uh, to come and regurgitate that for you guys. But he is saying, yes, I've been offered. But there's things that have happened behind the scenes that you haven't been revealed and there was a whole bunch of excuses. I didn't know how to interpret that. I thought that meant that Nate has also accepted Chemaya, but then something happened on Chemaya's side. But I'm adding to it a little bit. It wasn't completely clear. Now, hold on. Nate dropped what I thought was a bombshell. Ariel kind of took it and moved right on with the interview. I thought this was a bombshell. Nate said, what the UFC wants is for me to fight Connor next. And Nate said, I'm not, I'm refusing to fight Connor for one reason, which is the timelines don't match up. I want to get this over and I want to get this done. I want to be free. I don't even know when Connor's going to come back. Surprised me just a little bit. I get the point on Nate trying to expedite things. And I do get the point that we don't know when Connor's going to come back. Like, that's really fair. However, that's such a massive match. I mean, if you're just running the numbers, if this is about money, if this is about something big, boom, hey, I think we just found it. Going to have to wait a few months to get it, but I think that we just found it. Everybody gets served here. Now, you got to hold that thought. If the UFC does, in fact, want Connor versus Nate, and I've heard that rumor too. But not to this extent, not to the extent of what Nate is saying, where he has been brought in. He has sat down with Sean Shelby and Dana White in the offices of the UFC and told point blank, this is what we want you to do. Because guys, that's a very fascinating piece, right? 155 pounds is a real mess right now in a positive way, but it is a real mess right now. They, They don't have a champion, just by example. The guy, Charles Oliveira, who we believe will be fighting for the championship, is trying to go after Conor McGregor to the point that Islam Makhachev and Michael Chandler are now agreeing to fight for a belt because they believe that Oliveira might just get what he wants and go after Conor McGregor. Look, we put Nate in against Conor McGregor. We just changed all of 155. All of a sudden, we got Charles versus Islam, and we don't even have to think again. Now we got to find something for Chandler to do, which could be Poirier because he, by the way, is also waiting for Conor McGregor. 
I mean, things would get really interesting. If we could just play, if we could just plug one fight together at 55 and take one of those guys off the board, the rest of the pieces start to come together. By the way, what does Nate know? What does Nate Diaz know that we don't? We have operated and predicated this entire situation with Nate and his desire to exhaust his contract with the UFC around Jake Paul. Why, why did we do that, guys? I can't remember. I mean, we've been doing it for about eight or nine or ten months. I literally can't remember. Where did that come from? Because Jake and Nate are not like a thing in the media, like, say, Francis and Tyson. They've disclosed to us. They shared with us where they'd want to go. They had the face. We got a pretty good idea that we're being given accurate information there. Is something also like that going on with Jake Paul? Because he's signing fights. He got this ramen business coming up. I don't know that the Fury thing's gone away. I want it to. I'm not sure that it's gone away. Nate's talking about Conor McGregor as recently as an hour ago. I apologize. Jake Paul's talking about him as recently as an hour ago. I mean, is there something there with, with Nate and Jake? Is that what the whole thing's about? Or does Nate have a different plan and we're missing it? Because there is a driving factor. There is a level of motivation. And as much as we all thought it was just an opportunity to do something else, which of course would have to do with the money. Guys, if you knew what Nate made, it's hard to replace that anywhere. Very hard. Not to mention a Nate versus Connor, the way Nate's contract is structured. I'm not sure that we've got this right. I'm not sure this is just about money. I'm not sure this is just about boxing. And I'm not sure how Jake Paul plays into the whole thing. So I'm asking you a question. If, did I miss something? Have I forgot something? Are we sure that we know what Nate's really up to? Are we sure that we know what Nate's plan actually is? Because he's very sincere. Very. If he's willing to pass up a fight with the biggest star in the industry, something's going on. And I think we've arrogantly assumed that we know what that is. Nate plays his cards very close to the vest. And I'll also notice this includes Ariel today. He's never flat out been asked that. Nobody has straight up asked him, do you believe you're going to have a deal with Showtime, with Eddie Hearn? Is it Jake Paul specifically? We could be missing something here. I don't know what it would be. There's only so many options in the sport. But to have an option that you believe is better lucrative, is it just about the money? That's what we've always assumed. To believe that you have something outside of this organization, bigger than a fight within this organization against Conor McGregor. What's Nate got? What is it that we don't know? Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor bigger than Conor versus Floyd. What do you think? My guess is that you likely laughed when I asked that and quickly dismissed it, and now you're already catching yourself and thinking. And my guess is that's happened to you because exactly what happened to me when my partner Ryan just asked me that question. No, hell no. Not even close. Well, Jake Paul's got a way to push buttons. Ways that Floyd does not. That whole fight of Conor versus Floyd was around the circus. It was around the attraction. 
It was never about a fight. You could not compare resumes of a six-time world champion against a guy who had never done the sport. Could not compare resumes about a guy who's going for 50-0 and 0 versus a guy whose record is 0-0. It was about something else. And we loved it. And you can't get away with that very often. That is not a sustainable model. You cannot do that Saturday after Saturday. Years have to go by. Things have to come together. I mean, Jake Paul and Conor McGregor just went at it on social media. Conor dismissed him, told him he's a flop, told him how bad his numbers were. Jake Paul came in and told Conor McGregor, if you want to go net worth with net worth with me, I will S-H-I-T all over you. Now, I only bring that to you because nobody's ever pulled the money card on Conor McGregor. That's never been done. It was very interesting. If Jake goes out and Jake gets a win over Raman, what does it mean for him? We don't really know who Raman Jr. is, do we guys? But we're starting to learn. And those guys are getting our attention. And Raman Jr. does represent the one thing that people are refusing to give Jake Paul his credit for. He does represent that. He's got the youthfulness and he's a boxer. That's all anybody has ever said. Give me a guy who's not over the hill, who boxes. That's what they're doing. Jake Paul's going off as the favorite. Now, Raman has dismissed Jake Paul. Raman has taken this from the same standpoint that every other boxer has ever taken Jake Paul, which is you suck, you're not real, I am, and I'm going to show you what's up. There's a big difference between us. Jake Paul asked him to bet on that. Now, I get it. Raman passed on the bet, said, I don't bet money, I'm not going to do it. I, I like that. In all fair, I want Raman to keep this money. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I want him to make all of the right moves. The mere fact that he's passing and not getting goaded into that, I thought it was a good sign. But it does represent something, doesn't it, guys? Jake Paul is not asking to bet a half a million dollars with you, which was the number he threw out with Raman. He's not asking to do that for the money. He's asking to do it to call Raman out on how he really feels inside. If you truly believe I don't belong, if you truly believe my skills don't represent, if you truly believe that your experience in this trumps what I'm going to bring to the ring, then you would bet me. That's the point. And when Raman did turn that down, he did reveal just how much he really does believe that stuff. Which apparently is not very much. You want to speak about betting, DraftKings is already carrying a line. They got Jake Paul as a favorite. It's ever so slight. But these are very interesting things, right? Because I'm not here to talk to you about Jake Paul versus Raman. I'm here to talk to you about a possible match with Conor McGregor and Jake Paul. What that would be about and how that would look. Conor McGregor's looking big and puffy and, you know, he can get up to 170 pounds. He can probably get up to 174, 175 pounds. I know you're saying Chaley's been 190. Yeah, but that's not training. If you're training, you're doing everything right. You can still only be so big. Conor could get to that. Jake's going to have a meaningful advantage on him. And if Jake comes in with a win over an actual boxer, which is what you guys have decided Raman is, you decided Raman met that criteria until he signed to fight Jake Paul, that all of a sudden he's not the representative. You, I get that. But Jake would be in a very different spot. You guys would look at him very differently. If Jake Paul could somehow become the favorite over Conor McGregor, that fight becomes that much more massive. When you have a huge star with Conor McGregor, people will pay to see you embarrassed. If you have a guy where everything's going uh, great in life, 
Everything this guy is Midas. Everything he touches turns to, uh, to gold. And you have an opportunity to see that person embarrassed. You'll pay to see it. And if Connor was to lose to Jake Paul, the Disney kid, the YouTube kid, the guy that's only had four or five times in the ring, you're a multiple-time world champion. If we were facing that as the public, we thought that was going to happen. It's going to make it that much bigger. And I don't know how big I am on that fight's going to happen, but Jake Paul has gone after Conor McGregor from day one. The very first time Jake Paul talked about putting on gloves and grabbing a microphone, he went after Conor McGregor. And he hid nothing. This is back when Conor's like a 45, 55 pad. He didn't hide it. He said, yeah, I'm a lot bigger than this guy. That's still the guy. That's my guy. I'm just asking you a fun question. I don't, I don't know that we're going to be confronted with this. I'm not predicting that for you. But I am asking you a fun question. Would Jake Paul versus Conor be bigger than Conor versus Floyd? And I think we have pretty short-term memories. Like, that Conor versus Floyd business was something special at that time. Don't forget, those guys sold out four arenas. Four arenas on two different continents to watch a press conference. They sold out for press conferences, right? Like, that was something interesting, but that also represents it was about something different. And Floyd did not do his job there. Floyd was beat. Floyd went up there, he stood there, put the sunglasses on, he tried to look cool, and he, and he took the lumps in exchange for a big, glorious moment of payday down the road. That just isn't what Paul would do. Those press conferences that filled up to see those guys go back and forth, they end up seeing a Connor show. What if it was 50-50? What if Jake was pushing those buttons? Jake had a great line. When Jake was trying to bet Raman, he started with the money, and Raman said, I don't bet money. So Jake came back with something else. And don't forget, Raman is second generation. His pops was a fighter. I think his pops was champion. I think Raman Sr. was even a champion at one point. But second generation guy. Jake says, if I beat you, right? Remember the bet he did with Tyron Woodley? I think Tyron had to put, I love Jake Paul, if I remember right, but a tattoo. So Jake took that same thing. He said, if I beat you, you change your Instagram for one month to I disappointed my father. Now... <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal. That's, that's a big deal that he invoked that card. It's a big deal that he called that out. Hey, you're a second generation guy. You woke up a boxer. I switched to it three years ago. I mean, it's a big deal. It was a big point by him. I mean, I think Jake is going to make this work with Raman. I feel this has already started. One week ago when I didn't know who Raman was, I had absolutely no interest in this fight. Two weeks ago, when it was supposed to be Jake versus Fury, I had absolutely no interest in this fight. That has changed. It really has. And it's changed because of Jake. So I'm just asking you to observe it and then do a, a make-believe comparison in your head. Jake versus Connor, but change the scenario just slightly, which is Jake beats Raman. So Jake does get more credit. And all of a sudden, Jay, hey, could he beat Conor McGregor? Hey, could he knock Conor? All of a sudden, you start asking yourself these questions. Well, you know, Conor's not really in great shape, and he hasn't done this a whole lot. He's been out with an injury. You start asking yourself these questions. And if you eventually, and I mean society as a whole, comes to a conclusion that the rich guy who everything goes right in his life is going to face embarrassment, that draws. And I'd like to hear what you think. you got to use your imagination. Could Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor be bigger than Floyd versus Conor?
You've heard me say it here before. I'm no stranger to being in tight spots with money. Back in my early days of fighting, sometimes my bills and IOUs outweighed my show and win purse. Geez, those days were rough and we've all been in that situation at some point in our lives. When we get a little tight on cash, maybe you could only afford a few gallons of gas in your tank or you got an unexpected medical bill and wondered how you were going to cover it. Maybe you're there right now. This is where Dave can help. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly by signing up for their extra cash account. That's more money to fill your tank or to catch up on those bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and go to the App Store, download the Dave app right now. That's Dave, D-A-V-E. Sign up for the extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. The future you will thank you. Fitzayev versus RDA. You know, Fitzayev's a very interesting one to me. Earlier in the week, Conor McGregor made some comments publicly to Fitzayev, trying to be helpful. Something about an axe kick was a technique, but he was trying to be helpful. He was genuinely watched a Fitzayev workout video and contributed his two cents. Now, you must understand, if you're in the position of Conor McGregor within the sport, and you're in the position of Fazayev within the sport. If you're in Fazayev's shoes, you welcome a comment from Conor McGregor. You thank him. You're almost honored that he did it, and you hope he keeps doing it. No, Fazayev told Conor to shove it up his ass. Wasn't looking to get in a fight with him. Didn't want his opinion. That just got my attention. I have no greater point than that. Other than he, I've got he's got my attention. He goes into the fight with RDA. Now, one thing about Fazayev, and I'm talking about the character. I'm talking about the personality, the A-side, B-side. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Because he looks like a bad guy. He looks like a scary guy to me. Like, Fitzayev, if you see him in the street, does not seem like the kind of guy that you would want to upset. Can we agree with that? But he appears to be very jovial. Oh, and by the way, I think he wants to be funny guy. I don't know if he wants to be good guy or bad guy. He wants to be funny guy. Who'd he call out? He called out uh, Hasbullah. And now he called out a tennis player with the same first name as him. I mean, the story's not great. It's his gimmick. I appreciate that he's sticking with it. I want him to get a new gimmick. I don't like it. I don't like that waste of time. But after he got his call out out of the way, he went to Justin Gaethje. Now that has my attention. And for Fazayev to be able to get a fight with somebody is the notoriety of Justin Gaethje. I think a lot of you are going to blow right past that, say he's not ready for that. That isn't, that isn't going to happen. Look, all of the stars at some point in their career get used to build the next star. All of them. And we all know the deal going in. Somebody did it for us, and eventually you got to do it over there too. Now, we've got the guys at 155, not only the great fighters, but they're stars, and we got five or six of them. But it's very hard to get up in that loft. You may remember when Tony Ferguson extended the olive branch for a fighter that you now know as Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, the champion, does not exist. 
without the sportsmanship of Tony Ferguson. And I only remind you that because while Fitzaya versus Gaethje isn't the big box office, we all love it. Us hardcore, we love it. That makes a lot of sense to us. You probably think it's going to be a pretty hard booking. I don't disagree with you, but sooner or later, that's exactly how Gaethje will get booked. And Gaethje is a guy coming off a loss. Fedzaev is a guy coming off a win. I'm not predicting that fight for you. I'm sharing for you that Fedzaev is now a main eventer who just beat a former world champion. RDA has been in that cage. Look, nobody's ever beaten RDA. If you go back and look at this, nobody has ever beaten RDA where then something wonderful didn't happen for their career. And I mean right away. Kamar Usman was having a hard time getting up and known. He fights RDA, boom. He's Usman. Khabib has been in there with RDA. I mean, we, we can play this game. Colby Covington's in there with RDA. We can play this game all you want if you get through RDA. I won't use the term stepping stone because I realize that that's meant as a pejorative. But it's a very real thing, and that does seem to be the bar. Anybody that can deal with already something huge happens in their career. Fadzaev just beat a former world champion in a main event. He's going somewhere big, guys. Why wouldn't it be Gaethje? You don't want him to fight at Gaethje. Who else do you want to see Gaethje fight? And who is the gentleman? Am I saying his name right? Uh, Gambot? Gambot? He just fought. It, it was two Saturdays ago. And Dana White associated Gambot with Justin Gaethje. So all of a sudden, you start to see that the point that I'm making is pretty relevant that all the stars at some point and they don't just get they don't just get pushed into that category they got to go do it one time if you succeed and you beat that guy you go right back in fighting with the stars but it's just the way that the sport goes and Fitzai versus that's very possible i can't close my eyes and imagine justin gaethje backing down I also can't close my eyes, search my memory, and tell you anybody that's called him out. Can you guys? Do you know somebody that's called out Justin Gaethje? For that brief period of time where he had the championship, maybe you'll find something along those lines. Somebody wanted the, you know, the big fight. Who wants to fight Justin Gaethje? And that is a war of all wars. And it does very much go in line with the style of Fitzgerald. I just got to bring that to you. When I look at RDA, RDA has learned how to do everything in this sport except quit. Every fighter learns how to quit somewhere along the way. And they know how to make it look good, too. They know how to make it look good for TV. It's generally done in the form of something the kids call a rear naked choke. But RDA's never learned it. RDA, on an average night, will take more damage than I, I'll just insert myself, than I would take in two years of fighting. Truly. Every RD fight, RDA fight, they're going 22 minutes. He's going 25 minutes. He's going 18, 19 minutes. He's always in championship rounds. It is the hardest schedule of anybody that I've seen. And I really like that he was at 155 pounds for this just because I knew RDA was settling in. He's the guy that's bouncing back and forth. But if he really wants that title run, which he does, he's got to pick a division. Gets put in a main event up and cumber with Fitzsimon. I thought it was a good fight. By the way, RDA was losing that according to the judges. He was losing that when he went down and it got stopped. I didn't agree with that. That surprised me. Now, I'm not bullish. I just, if you would have asked me who's winning this fight, I would have said RDA. Point being, he's still very relevant. He's still very competitive. This is still a main eventer. This is still a guy that people just can't run through. So what do you do with RDA? Tough spot. 
when I talk about all the stars at some point have to go out to spread the shine to the next generation, that's what you just saw with RDA. That's exactly what you just saw. Boom, Fitzayev. Here he is. Here he is. He's a brawler. Fitzayev had some questions to answer. Can he go championship rounds? When you're a guy that's built like Fitzayev, okay, you got to judge the book by its cover, right? You don't want to do that in any walk of life, except in this. It's the whole reason we face them off. You can guess. You can try to guess their level of fitness. You can try to guess how serious they've taken it. You can try to juxtapose one body type with the last time that you saw him fight. We don't know if he can go championship rounds. Big muscle shark, right? Those guys have a hard time going late. So he proved that. He not only proved that he can do it, he had his best moment within the championship rounds. It's a big deal for Fitzayev. It's a big deal. And I don't want his call out of the tennis player or this 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 silly whatever he's doing. I don't want that to get lost. P- push that aside. He called out Gaethje. He called out Justin Gaethje. I don't know another idea for Gaethje. And I don't know how much longer Gaethje wants to do this, by the way. I mean, this is a guy who has achieved just about everything. This is a guy who saved his money. This is a guy that's been doing it for a really long time. The UFC is for champions and contenders. If you prove at some point you are no longer a champion or a contender, you're no longer in the UFC. It's a really interesting thing where I don't know that we need to push Justin in any direction. I don't know that Justin's in a spot where he needs to... Everybody loves him. He's got the championships. His mantle is full. It's got a beautiful gold belt on it. But Gaethje was talking earlier in the week even about Volkanovsky. Somebody pinned him down on an interview and they're bringing up Volkanovsky. And Justin's doing his best to not back down and at the same time not give a hard time to a guy that's in a glorious moment who happens to be in a different weight class. He was a little bit tongue-tied, quite frankly. I think he was caught off guard by being asked about it, but all of a sudden he's got Fazayev. I haven't, I haven't seen him asked about that. I'm big on the idea. I realize there's a discrepancy in star power there. But we just saw RDA do it over the weekend. We know that it's a very real thing. What else do you have in mind for Justin Gaethje? Typically within the sport, it's a policy, not a rule. If you lost your last fight, you're taking on somebody that lost their last fight. If you won your last fight, you're taking on somebody that won their last fight. So if you if you can hijack that system in Justin's spot... Right, whoever his next fight is, isn't going to be as big as his last fight. It was against Oliveira. It was a championship. We're told that it was the biggest pay-per-view of the year. I like the Fitzive idea. I want to know what you guys think. But would anybody object to those two doing a fight? So, last week... I told you guys about Israel Adesanya and all the criticism he's received since defending his title at UFC 276. And a couple of days ago, Izzy spoke up, and I want to bring his comments to your attention. Israel Adesanya got a YouTube page, came out, gave an assessment of his fight. Now, let me tell you guys, I spoke to Adesanya two days after the fight. It was very light. It was a DM. Nothing to do with this topic. I will just share. I got a sense for his tone. I got a sense where where his head was at. Now, when Adesanya was breaking down his own fight, you got to understand, you're dealing with a genius here. When people choose to go head-to-head with Adesanya about fighting, 
That's a hard one for me. This is a guy whose philosophy, training habits, performance, this is top shelf stuff. This is the best in the world. This is also the best that this division has ever seen. This division had Anderson Silva. It had Michael Bisping. It had Rich Franklin. I mean, this is a very coveted division. The late, great Evan Tanner is a very coveted division. Adesanya is the best to have ever done it at the weight class. So I do see when people start to argue with him about mixed martial arts, more uh, specifically, his performance and his approach, I kind of... I kind of got to turn my head a little bit and go, are you serious? You're, you're actually questioning the champion, who, by the way, in a terrible performance, according to the critics, won every single round? I get a little bit lost. Now, Adesanya did at least appease the critics who said he coasted. That's another one for me, and I'm personalizing. That's hard for me. It's hard. I never had a hard fight or an easy fight if I was to personalize my own career. I never did. They were all the same. It was absolute chaos, and it was absolutely everything I had. So when I'm even told that somebody could coast, I have a hard time picturing it. I grew up in wrestling. I've done jujitsu. There's times in wrestling, and there's times in jujitsu, no problem. I would fall into that category, coasting. We even call it stalling eating up the clock. I never found that in my entire MMA career. And if you're telling me the guy is so goddamn good that while he's exhausted, which any human being would have to be, the human body is not made for a 25-minute sprint. It's just not. And in fighting, unlike the grappling arts that I just referenced, grappling arts, they're trying to score points on you. In fighting, they're trying to damage you. There is nowhere to stall. And, And the mere idea that he is so dominant, talking about Adesanya, that he's so good that he could coast and just play and eat up the clock to beat the world's number one contender. I'm just not sure you're insulting him. I'm just not. Then, to boot, okay, this whole thing is overlapped by the fact that Adesanya versus Piera is the number one fight I want to see in the sport right now. That is the number one fight. My number one has been the same thing for eight months. It's been Stipe versus John Jones. I now want to see Adesanya versus Piera. The point that I'm trying to make, if he's coasting, if he's so bad, if he's so awful, if we're all so upset, how does he then go in to the biggest fight that the sport has to make? Those things, they don't add up. You can't do that. So we can't have it both ways. So what are we really doing here? We're seeing greatness, and we're trying to beat him the only way we know how. Verbally. We're we're trying to hurt his feelings because we can't beat him in the cage, right? Guys, let's be fair. Do you really feel that the guy is coasting? If so, where? And how do you prove that? And what is it that you're saying about Jared Cannon here? I grew up under famed coach Roy Pittman. Roy Pittman has gone to a wrestling tournament every single Saturday for the last 58 years. When he walks into that tournament, he has a towel over his shoulder. Everybody knows what that towel is for. It is for a time that Coach Pittman's athlete coasts. He will stop the match and he will forfeit. His guy will lose 
if his guy ever coasts while attempting to make the opponent look bad, if his guy starts showing off or showboating in a way to make the opponent look bad, he will stop the match and his guy will lose. And I only bring that to you because I'm not sure the insult, not sure you're aware, the insult that you're giving to Jared Cannonier. You're saying not only did he lose, not only was it not ultrally competitive, but it was a guy that wasn't going his hardest. And I don't think any of us mean that. And I don't think any of us can also do the deduction that Adesanya had this horrible fight that we all despise that we're never going to buy again. Oh, by the way, when is his next one with Piera? That is the number one one on my list to watch. They don't add up. Now, I'm not giving you a hard time. If this is about booing versus cheering, okay, there's two sides to the coin, and the fan has the right, the equal right to both. You have praise and you have critiques. If that's all we're doing, I'll step aside. Please, please have at it. But there seems to be a chorus even coming from the smart marks in the cheap seats, the guys that are supposed to know. The guys in the back, fellow fighters, there seems to be this chorus about Adesanya and the way that he's managing a match, as opposed to trying to finish that he's trying to get to the decision. I would argue for you that even the smart marks, even the boys in the back, even the fellow fighters, there's a level of brilliance that Adesanya's doing that even they don't understand. I would argue that for you. Mike Tyson famously said, I got credit. I said it on Joe Rogan's show, and Joe Rogan has said, Chael Sonnen said, but I stole it from Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson simply said, if you ever try to win by knockout, you will not win a decision. So when I talk to you about managing a match, there's a part in the fight where you are going to go, just what you were planning for. In Adesanya's case, he's going to show off. He's going to put him away. He's going to stop him. There's a time where you will do that, but you must quickly be able to learn and pivot. Your goal must quickly be able to change and your strategy must pivot if you're confronted with evidence in live battle that your strategy is not going to work tonight. If you stick with it and you stay with it and you're out there trying to show off and you're, you're out there trying to appease the crowd. And one thing within Adesanya's response, I find him to be very mature, guys. I, I really wish that you would start listening to him instead of critiquing him because you'll learn something. But one thing that I appreciated within his response is he's not letting it get to him. He is going into the biggest fight of his life next. Now, that's not because of you and that's and me, guys. That's according to him. This is the monster in his closet. This is the guy who Izzy can say anything he wants. He didn't want this guy coming over to the sport. If the guy did come over, he wanted somebody to knock him off. He wanted Strickland to knock him off. I've been in Izzy's shoes. I just know what that's like to have somebody from your past. The other side of the coin is great. You welcome it and you embrace it. And the sooner we can do this, the better, because I got something for you, right? And one thing about Adesanya is he's going into the big fight. You got to dance with the one that brought you. Adesanya did not just get here with the punches and the kicks and the cool walkouts and the funny interviews. He got here being very level-headed. He got here being very strategic. And he got here by using his absolute best tools when he's in combat. 
not trying to show off, not trying to new stuff, uh, do new stuff, not trying to get the oohs and the ahs from the crowd, trying to win this moment, win this moment, defend here, attack here, move on to the next frame, rinse and repeat five times if necessary. And there was a real maturity in the way that Adesanya responded. Because I, I know many of you are like me. You're team Adesanya. You're happy to see this young man reach his goal and be doing so great. Don't panic. If that's the spot you're in, don't panic. He's very mature. This is not bothering him. It's not going to get to him. He's coming off what people are doing nothing but criticizing, and he's going to go into the biggest fight the sport can make. Those two things don't work, just so you understand. And I can't remember a great that didn't face this at some point. There was a time when Khabib couldn't get to the main event because he was boring. He would take people down. There is a time right now where Islam is being held back because he takes people down and he's boring. George St. Pierre, who sold more pay-per-views than anybody, took everybody down. And he kept them there for 25 minutes. So it's one of these things, right? You got to be able to pivot in a fight. You got to know when your toast is burnt. You got to know when a strategy is not working. You got to know when your plan has to be changed. Your goals sometimes have to change right there in the fight. It's a terrible spot. But the guys that can do it, like Adesanya just did, these are the champions. They don't get frustrated. They figure it out. They were planning to be out there eight minutes and be on Eugene Berryman's shoulders and pumping your fists and moving on from, they got to be out there 25. They got to put up with the crowd. They got to wonder what the judges are seeing. It's a sign of maturity. And if you don't appreciate it, I don't blame you. We're spoiled as MMA fans. I'm just sharing for you. If you want to win this argument, if you want to hurt Adesanya's feelings, he cannot have had a terrible performance that's going to lead into the biggest fight of his career. Those don't work. So you got to get your math a little bit better. You got to sharpen up your insults. Be careful because you're putting down Cannoneer. The same as you put down Whitaker. I don't think that was your intent. Fire up the keyboard and try again. close out today's show, let's talk about a division that Adesanya is very familiar with. That's light heavyweight. We haven't heard much from the 205-pound champion Yuri Prohaska recently until just now. There's a headline going around that says Prohaska will fight Glover Teixeira next. That is not where we are at. Just to clear this up, this was not even a misunderstanding. This was just a straight-up misquote. There is a video of Prohaska he says, I would like to fight Glover next. Now, you got to understand that. That is not a commitment. That is not a done deal. That is not Dana White say anything. His exact words by Prohaska was, I would like to fight Glover next. Now, I only share that with you because there's a headline going around. As a matter of fact, Jan Blahovich is upset. He said, and I quote, Samurai Code was not followed here. Blahovich believes that he is the number one contender, of which he most certainly has a rightful claim to. Prohaska wanting to fight Glover. I don't have a problem with that, guys. I don't think that's going to happen. When you're going to do a rematch of a fight that was that great, 
you're going to give the champion, you're going to return the favor, favor. Historically speaking, those get made quickly. I have no other basis to tell you that I'm light on the idea of those two rematches. I have no, no basis. Other than historically speaking, those get made quickly. Glover's time to shine and his time to strike and his time to impress everybody, including the boss, is right then. That light does not get brighter as the weeks go by. It gets dimmer. Now, I think that Blahovich has an interesting argument, but I don't know that he's making it. I mean, th these are the situations, guys, where it's up for grabs and there's a bunch of good options. These are the situations where Glover and Jan Blahovich are now in a fight in the media. This is exactly how this works. The last time this was tested was Islam Makhlchev and Justin Gaethje, and Justin come out swinging hard, and he won the fight, which is why he went on to fight with Charles. I bring that to you because I'm not sure that Glover or Jan are aware they are in a fight. They both seem to want to come out and get the blessing of the new... Why is Glover asking anybody their opinion? He just kicked the guy's ass. I watched it and so did you. He was 20 seconds away from having his hand raised. He just whipped the dude's ass and now he's on bended knee asking him for something? The hell does that work? Then you have Jan, who has declared himself number one contender. He's got a great claim. I'm not saying that he doesn't. But he's also coming out and asking Prohaska. It is not Glover and Jan wanting the blessing of Prohaska, which they both believe just went to Glover. That's a misquote to start with. That's not how this works. It's Blahovich and Glover in an all-out brawl for your attention. For the mandate of the masses. Oh, by the way, guess who's winning this because he's the only one that entered the fight? Anthony Smith. A huge reason that Glover Prohaska, there was an amazing fight. And that's just the kind of fight that you rematch. It just, that night. That night right there. But they didn't do it. Okay, opportunity. What? Don't know. Opportunity. Blahovich then thinks that that's going to be his. Got a great claim. But he's not understanding how this works. And the only one that showed up to this fight is Anthony Smith, which is the sole reason that that rematch has not been named. It's the sole reason why Blahovich has not been named. Uncle Liam could be doing a lot to help here, in all fairness. I'm not sure that you guys know who Uncle Liam is. He's awesome. I think he's 14 and 0. And he looks the part when you do see him. If you don't know who Uncle Liam is, when you do see him, you go, oh, yeah, that guy, I bet that guy's a, uh, yeah, right? He just looks the part. Anthony Smith has entered the fight. He knows how this works. He is not taking no. He's not asking anybody for anything. He is saying, this is what I was told. I'm going to go do some heavy lifting, as I do every time I'm asked to do it, and I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to get a number one contenders, and if I don't, then my opponent does. Goliath should be thanking him. She, he should be adding to this. He really should. But for Prohaska to say that he would like to fight Glover, right? It says it's a tough spot. Why do you want to fight a 42-year-old? I mean, you got to start with that. Look, I get it. There's an answer to this, right? That 42-year-old happens to be Glover Kachar, and he was the champion of the world three weeks ago. I, there's still a question. 
Why are you, the young new champion, calling out a 42-year-old? Let's start with that. Why are you calling out somebody that you just beat? Why are you calling out somebody that you just finished? Why are you not taking on the young, fresh blood who was upset in the first place of Blahovich? And I have a feeling when you hear from Anthony Smith soon, he's going to be saying something to the effect of Prohaska is already trying to find a fight that's going to be easier than the number one contenders batch that's waiting for him. Of course he wants to fight Glover or is willing to fight Jan. He don't want in there with me or Uncle Ayev. Something to that effect will happen. But there is a fight going on right now. Same as there is in every single division when somebody wants an opportunity. The only one that showed up to the fight is Anthony Smith. Who's carrying the water, not for nothing, but he's carrying it for Uncle Ayev. He's covering him too. He's making sure that match. And by the way, Anthony's winning. You guys are aware that's why these fights haven't been made. They haven't been made because Smith is coming with Uncle Live and Smith said, hold the phone. There should be a level of appreciation to that, but there's a level of frustration by me. Frustration isn't dumb because I'm not seeing trash talk and I'm not seeing call-outs. Glover certainly earned the right to that rematch. Prohaska's going to have something really hard to do. He's not taking an easy road. My frustration is coming. You have a room full of world champions, whether it's Glover, whether it's Prohaska, whether it's Blahovich. You have a room full of world champions who don't understand how this game is played. I don't make the rule. These aren't Chael's rules. I observe the sport. Come on, asking Prohaska for an opportunity. Talking about Samurai Code wasn't fired, followed. You're not asking Prohaska for his blessing. Blahovich, you are in a fight right now. All out, gloves off brawl with Glover, who doesn't appear to have shown up. But Anthony did. So study the field, see what's going on. Quit asking Prohaska, quit being a nice guy, and get in the fight that Anthony Smith is leading. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. Thank you for listening and for continuing to leave reviews of the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Remember, I'm here every Wednesday and Friday and post pay-per-views on Sunday. There's a ton of news going on in MMA world right now. I'm going to be back to discuss it all. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.